four-week study, week number three. Um, next week, we will, um, next Sunday, we'll get very, um, very specific to the heritage context when it comes to this conversation and study. Um, but I, I wanted to explore and have conversation and one more text before we get there. And that's in 1 Timothy chapter 3. Um, so let me, though, back up for just a moment because, I mean, I'm sure like you, you, you have conversations or studies, Bible studies, classes like this um, from time to time. I, not every time, but you kind of process afterwards, you kind of think through things. And I was thinking through last week, we explored Acts chapter 6. And in Acts chapter 6, as a quick recall of the text, um, the, the first church has a crisis on their hands. And the crisis is that some of the uh, Hellenistic uh, widows are not getting their fair portion of the food ministry. And so the apostles decide that this obviously needs to be fixed. And so they tell the church, find seven men to, uh, to go and correct this issue. And we had, we had a great conversation last week on Acts chapter 6. But as I was kind of reflecting on that particular conversation, and, the, and I mean, I'm using this at Acts 6, the end, of, the end of our conversation to get us into 1 Timothy chapter 3, I was thinking about... Um, and reflecting and reading again how the apostles asked the church to identify seven men. Now, I think in a grand context, we look at that and we don't, we don't really, um, we really don't think too much about the fact that they said seven men. And it's very clear they wanted seven males to take on the ministry of diakonos. Of service. But think about the context for just a second of Acts chapter 6. You have a church that is thriving and moving, and all of a sudden, you know, and for, lack of, for lack of a better way to put it, there's a crisis that, are, that comes up. And the crisis is that there are widows, women, not being fed. And so the apostles say, we need waiters. That's the actual word of diakonos, the most basic form of the word, as we've talked about the last couple weeks. Diakonos means waiters of the table. The apostles are saying, we need waiters on this particular table. If you think about the context, especially of the first century Roman Empire, right, who would be the waiter of a food table? It'd be a slave, it'd be a servant, it'd be a woman. Okay. Now, you think about this for a second, and this is where, and I'm going to go back to an earlier point to get us in the First Timothy chapter three. The apostles come in and they say, "We want men to do this, the work of a slave or a servant or a woman." Now, I think what the the apostles are ultimately doing is is driving home the point that I've been driving home over the last couple of weeks, and that is, everyone is a deacon. Everyone is a diakonos. Everyone ought to be a waiter of any table. 
because they are breaking social norm, I think, in a lot of ways to say, hey, we want men to do this work because what they're doing, I, if I kind of think logically and think through this for a moment, what, what the church is saying, what the leadership is saying is, is we want the church to be involved in this, right? We want, we want this to be a communal service to the, this particular group of women. So we're not going to just live into what everyone expects or, or knows. We're going to live into what Christ is calling into the church, that all are involved. And very much like we had the conversation last week, I think that conversation is, you know, a good deacon, a good servant, a good waiter is working themselves out of the job. They're serving themselves out of that work. And I think the context of that is, is quite important because Acts chapter 6 has become this paradigm. It's become the only instance in Scripture where we find that there is movement that we see that, oh, here's a job, and here, let's put people in. It's the only paradigm that we have where we, where we see people actually being installed into deacon, even though that word's not even used here. The word servant, or actually waiter, um, which is translated in your NIV that way, wait on the table, is, is used. But the diakonos, the, that's a form of diakonos, but the actual form, word of diakonos is not used in Acts 6. But it be, has become our paradigm because it's the only instance that we see this kind of function, this kind of behind the scenes function working, if that makes sense. So when we get in the 1 Timothy chapter 3, we're well past you know, the identification and bringing in of, of servants or deacons into the church. Uh, we're talking about the church in Ephesus. Paul writes this letter to his friend Timothy, but Paul writes the letter knowing the letter will be circulated within the community in Ephesus. And Paul has a relationship with the church in Ephesus. And Paul's now going to write so that the church in Ephesus will hear his words again. So he writes to Timothy, who is his um, ministry partner, and he's going to tell him a few different things that he can share to the church and ultimately be the voice of the teaching that comes here. Because what Paul's going to do is, is where Acts 6 kind of gives us this, this scope of how, of how servanthood is going to work within the community, which I really do think in Acts 6, it's, an, it's a paradigm for how all of community is going to function differently than the world around us. It ought to function differently. Because diakonos is, is used is, is the teaching of Christ himself. That we're all going to be those who serve. Go all the way to John chapter 13. I think it's the most prevalent example. That was our first week in here. It is the most prevalent example of Jesus' uh, teaching that all of his followers are going to diakonos. They're going to deacon. They're going to serve. They're going to wait on the table. So then you get into 1 Timothy chapter 3. And one of the reasons I think we go to 1 Timothy chapter 3 when you start having conversations about deacons is because it's, it's one of three instances in all the New Testament where the word is used to talk about an office, if you will, or a responsibility within the church itself. But it's not about the doing, it's about the character of, in 1 Timothy chapter 3. 
Acts gives us, you know, there's, there's kind of a setup of character in Acts chapter 6, but it's about taking care of a very specific job. We don't know what the job or jobs are in the church in Ephesus when Paul writes in 1 Timothy, but he's going to talk about the character that is in 1 Timothy 3. So this class can be a little different this morning. Here's what I want to do. I want to read 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 8 through 13. I want to make some comment on the, on the text, and then I want to invite conversation. So I, I'm gonna, I want us to kind of think through some of the texts of 1 Timothy 3, 8 through 13, and then, um, and then, I, and then I, I want to have conversation, ask some questions, and kind of get conversation going. So a little different than the last couple of weeks or most of my classes in general, uh, I like conversation throughout, and, and if you need to stop me, stop me at any point, uh, but I'm, I'm kind of setting you up for, um, uh, for my, uh, my structure here in this place this morning. So, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 8 through 13, Paul writes in the same way, deacons, and that is actually the word diakonos, in the same way diakonos are to be worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine and not pursuing dishonest gain. They must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. They must first be tested. And if there is nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. In the same way, the women are to be worthy of respect, not malicious talkers, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. A deacon must be faithful to his wife and must manage his children and his household well. Those who have served well gain an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. All right, Paul begins this particular section. Now, in the grander context of what's going on, the verses right before Paul started talking about elders or bishops, overseers is actually the word that Paul uses. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, we spent a lot of time last year looking at that particular word and the function and responsibility of those bishops or overseers um, that, that we often call elders or shepherds in 1 Timothy chapter 3. And in the same breath and save movement, Paul now goes into deacons. In this section of deacons, Paul's giving a description of their characteristics of the people which also gives us that, Paul, there's no setup here, right? It's in this, it's in this grander context of conversation of, of overseers and then diakonos or servants that gives us this idea that Paul has probably talked about this before to the church. And I think that's an important aspect because we probably are not getting the 100, you know, we're not getting the full painting. Because Paul's had this conversation, whether it's in the other letter, whether it's in personal teaching when he was with the church in Ephesus, that Paul is assuming and knowing that there are people who know this teaching, that, that, that deacons are established within this church, they know these responsibilities, and I'm just kind of jumping into this, and it's almost coming across as reminder of what it looks like to have diakonos within the context of the church. Okay, this is one of those three, um, uh, two times that, that we find this word is used for a particular office. 29 times the word diakonos is used in your New Testament. You, again, you won't find deacon 29 times in your English translation because the word diakonos means waiter or servant, minister, and is often used to translate into deacon. 
which deacon then becomes the meaning of servant or minister, right? Or waiter of the table. But you're going to find this word 29 times. And the vast majority of those times, 27 of those times, the word is used in a very general sense, which is why we ha I have spent time in this class making sure we understand that everyone diakonos, everyone deacons, because that's the context, vast majority of the word. But then the word starts to become something different within the church. It becomes a, a specific usage for those who have specific duties on specific service, deacon. And this is one of those times where Paul jumps right into it because there's no explanation here of how to do it or what the job is. Hey, this is already happening within your church, but here's a reminder of the character that, of these people that are going to serve as your diakonos. So Paul's concern, as we find out, is that they're going to be men worthy of respect. It's their demeanor. It's their character. It's who they are as servants and representative of not only Jesus, but the church that they're involved in. Okay, so their qualities are not qualifications. It's who they are as diakonos. Now, I will push... And, and I did this with our elder selection. This is not a job description of what it looks like to become a deacon. This is within the person that is identified already as a servant within the church, these qualities. This isn't something that you can say, hey, come on, and you'll get there. This is something that's already lived out. And Paul's reminding the church here, and Timothy in particular, that as you bring up these diakonos... These are the people that ought to have these kinds of qualities that live within them. They're worthy of respect, he talks about. Um, that word in particular is, is described as a person of dignity, simonos, who both gives and receives appropriate respect. It's going to be a person worthy of respect because respect goes both ways, does it not? Sincere the apostle writes, this person, this diakonos is to be sincere. The word, this word applies to someone whose speech does not betray conflicting dispositions, right? They're, they're consistent and sincere about what they say and what they do. And like the overseer in verse 3 of chapter 3, the deacon or the diakonos must exercise moderation in their drinking and how they handle their money. They're not to, uh, they are to not to pursue dishonest gain. The NIV translates that particular word. The idea here is that this accords with the recurring theme in the pastorals and Paul's writings of a reputation that will not bring shame on Jesus, his gospel, or his church. Right? What they pursue and what they want is Christ-centered in everything that they do. Um, there's also reference here to doctrine, the deep truth of faith in verse 9, in connection to those who serve within the church. But that as qualifications, but as those who are already embedded into the truth of Jesus Christ, into the truth of the, the gospel statement, that this, is, that this is who they are. They're servants of, they're servants for, they're servants in the truth that is Christ himself. In verse 10, 
is, is another occasion where Paul insists on the personal integrity of those who are going to serve in the church. That their integrity reflects the integrity of the community that they serve for. That their conscience must first be tested, right? That they must be those who have shown that they are servants. Oh no, never done anything before, come serve. No, they're ones who are naturally uh, kind of drifting into the area of servicehood, into diakonos already. Now, let's get to the money part. The word woman, often translated wife, is really hard and almost impossible for us to distinguish between wives of the deacons or the women who are serving in diakonos. Now, let's all pause. Okay? I'm not saying anything that is out of line. Okay? What I'm doing is I'm referencing this particular word, gene. And that word throughout ancient literature in Greek and through the New Testament and most in particular in 1 Timothy chapter 3 is most often used as translated into the word we would say woman. Now, there's a lot of syntax which I'm not going to get into this morning. I want to make a general point and idea here before we start getting into some conversation because this is the elephant in the room when you get into 1 Timothy chapter 3 that you just can't you know, drive by, right? Just kind of, okay? Because your older NIV is going to say the wise the deacon. Your NIV 2011 translation is going to say the women. And depending on which English translation you read, it's going to go one or one, one of those two ways. Okay? Anything else translated uh, not woman or wife of is a wrong translation because that's the word. And it can, be, it can go either way. So women, two points here, are identified separately from the previous verses that we've read, verses 8 through 10, right? They're addressed in a different moment in Paul's particular writing. In the same way, he says in verse 11, right? Meaning, in addition to, this isn't, this isn't a run-on sentence. This is a new paragraph, new thought that is contributing to the idea of the overall diakonos that he's established. And now he says, in the same way, the women, all right, the females, and he goes on. And since the verse occurs within the instruction of deacons, it's either the behavior of the women or the behavior of the wives of the deacons that is in intended for quality of those who are going to serve in the area of of diakonos in the church, okay? There's a couple of different thoughts here, and I'm only giving you thoughts, okay? I, you and I don't know what the actual context of 1 Timothy chapter 3 is. We have a much clearer idea of what the context is in Acts chapter 6, right? Of what's going on, the issue, why are we all of a sudden are kind of installing what we would call deacons. 1 Timothy 3, we don't have that idea because Paul jumps right into it because I believe this conversation has been had already, or at least the point of it has. We don't have the context here, but it would seem to, since there is a, there, there's a conversation about those who are, who are serving in diakonos, and now we're going to say in the same way the women 
who are serving in diakonos. We're either talking about the wives of the deacons that are serving, or the diakonos, of the males who are serving, um, or we're talking about other women. But what seems most likely is, is that the service of the diakonos within the church in Ephesus is couple-related. Think about that. That makes a whole lot of sense, doesn't it? That if I'm serving, there's nothing I don't do within this church where my wife is not involved. And so what Paul's doing, it seems like, is that he's identifying that there is another aspect of servicehood. Go all the way back to how diakonos is applied throughout Jesus' teaching. Everyone is a deacon. Everyone serves. Everyone is qualified to wait at the table. So here, within the context of the church in Ephesus, which again, we don't have the full story of the context of what's going on in this particular moment to which Paul would have to say something like this, Paul seems to be identifying the women who are serving within the context of probably their husbands that are, that are serving. That there's a context here where the women are serving in some capacity right alongside and in conjunction to the men that are also serving within the church. Which is why I start in Acts chapter 6 the way I did this morning. Because I think the road goes both ways. Because I think in Acts chapter 6, the fact that the apostles want males is actually different than the way things had typically gone in that, in that culture. Right? Servants, slaves, and women would be those who waited on the tables. Not men. But what do the apostles want? They want men. And I think the point there is also being made here. That those who are to serve are going to be servants because all people are to be servants. And the whole church ought to be involved in the service that is taking place. Whatever the service is taking place here in the church in Ephesus, whatever's going on here that we need deacons, we need this office of, and we got to put people in charge of these particular works that are taking place. Whatever it is that's going on, we need, we, Paul wants, them, wants the church to understand that all people are involved within this service. The whole church, male and female. Okay? So it seems strange that there are no similar instructions within the section on overseers, right? If you go back, grander context, for real quick, there seems to be no debate within the church in Ephesus of who the overseers are. And there's no discussion about the overseers' wives or the women who serve as overseers. That's not there. It's just not there. But you have it within the deacons. But again, I think the grander point here is not the context of Ephesus. What I think is the grander point of all who are able to serve. All of us are servants. All of us. So whatever is going on, which would most likely have been, in this context, first century Roman church, men would have been placed in charge of the particular service that is taking place in the church. But what's Paul saying? It's not just the dudes who get to serve. All are involved in the service of waiting on the tables. Everyone is a deacon. And Paul's not interested in what 
deacons do or who they are. He's interested in the, in the character that is brought into the service, whatever that service is. Because there's no mention of those particular services or that particular context. Kind of leaves us with a conversation, which I now open up with the time that we have some questions and thoughts and conversation. I told you this was a little different, but I felt like it was worth a few minutes to kind of break down some of these general thoughts. Because as I said, next week we're going to start talking about the, excuse me, we're going to, we're going to be very specific with the heritage context when it starts coming to um, the service of diakonos in a more organized, official, if you will, office, the, 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 the diakonos uh, deacon. So let me start here. And I'm sure there are thoughts. Why does Paul, why do you think Paul's only, um, why is Paul not going over job description? Why is he most concerned about character or quality, if you will, right? Oh, yeah, thank you, Chris. We are recording. If you have, just raise your hand. Chris going to run around like a mouse with the microphone. Speak into that. It'll help everyone and the video that's being, the audio is being recorded. So what do you think? What, why, why character being emphasized here when it comes to servants? Because when you think about servants, which was part of our conversation last week, servant, diakonos, is about doing. It's about, you know, it's literally the waiter who's taking the water and the plates and getting all the trash and making sure you have the ice and the cups, like the physical, actual work. We see that in Acts chapter 6. But here, you would think that the idea of service might be, we need to talk about the things that the deacons are doing. But what does Paul talk about? He talks about their character. Why do you think that is? I'm just curious. We'll kind of start there, and we'll kind of work ourselves through a conversation. Josh is going to go, and then Stephen will kick us off in, the, in that order. Thank you, Chris. For me... Um... When I, you know, when listening to all this and thinking about everyone's a deacon, <clears throat> I think about if a stranger came in and helped put away chairs, he doesn't hold a role in our church appointed as a deacon, <clears throat> although he is serving. So I agree. I think you've said this. Everyone serves. Everyone's expected to serve. But in this case, I feel like they're describing the characteristics of somebody that's worthy of holding a role or a position in the church. And I think that's why this is different is because if you're going to hold an official role, you need to have these characteristics. Anyone can serve. You don't have to have any qualifications to help serve in the church. But to hold the role, I think that's where the qualifications or the characteristics become important. Uh, thank you, Josh. As you go over to Stephen, what you see, what you see in Acts 6, right? The apostles... Hey, we need someone to serve, but they need to, be, they need to be men who have these kinds of characters, right? So this is, this is continuing from the, the, from the first church. Go ahead. Um, I actually was going to echo everything you said, so thanks for that. Yeah, <laughs> just whatever he said, I say. So, no, um, I think one thing to point out, too, is that in some of these situations, whether you have an official title or, or not, and I agree with what you were saying, Josh, uh, you know, if you're of this character, you are worthy of having this official title. However, chances are these people are probably already doing the things necessary. If you're already a doer, you're already doing it. Um, so I'm wondering if that's why they didn't say, hey, you need a deacon of finance, or you need a deacon of this, or a deacon of that, because I think that that kind of happens naturally as you see those needs being met. 
Yeah, there, and if anybody wants to go, just get Chris's attention. Um, no, go ahead. Well, that was quick. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, okay. That'd be great. I, Thanks, Brandon. <laughs> yeah. I was just going to say, too, part of it comes across to me as the intention, I would imagine, um, for Paul throughout the New Testament is not to give every single church a playbook, uh, A through Z, here's how this is supposed to go, um, down to the most minute details, right? I think every church back then probably had its own different struggles, and we kind of see that with some of the letters that he writes. One church struggles with this, one church struggles with that. And so I don't know that the intention, in, in my understanding as I listen and read about this, is to say, you know, here's the breakdown that we're doing, here's the game plan, um, A through Z, here's how to do it. So I kind of relate that to me with my profession. When I get a protocol from a doctor that says, hey, I gotta run this patient through these things, some of them are very minute details, I want all of this, and some of them are just saying, hey, I trust you to be a professional and do the best that you know how to do, and so it's almost to me like, I, I want you to be this type of person, hmm. not I need to micromanage every single thing that comes down to it. I don't, I don't read it as a playbook for the entire church for the rest of history. It's more like, here's what I'm looking for quality-wise, and then let's sort through the rest of this if it comes up. Like Stephen just said, great, here's the type of people that are going to go do that, not here's the new playbook forever. Yeah, um, and going back to... Um, Going back to even some of the things I said earlier, you know, Paul just it just drops us in the middle of it, right? So there is a context to which we do not know, but to that point, right, taking Acts 6 and putting the church in Ephesus, there seems to be a growth where if you're going to have those in position that are leading in service, right, servant leaders, that there are particular, there are particular qualities that, that ought to be emphasized or, or seen, Right? Um, and, and I think that's an important aspect that doesn't that that does go to all churches, but it doesn't doesn't fit into every context. It's not that's why it's not a job description list. It's a character list because those characters come out of Christ, which I think is an important aspect. Yes, ma'am. Well, one of the things I wanted to point out is that you indicated that to us it might be a little confusing, but to the recipients of the letter that Paul wrote, it was not confusing. They would have understood what he meant. Even Timothy, you know, that's who the original letter was to. He would have understood the context yep. that Paul was talking about. And God is not the author of confusion. So if there was more clarification needed, Paul certainly would have given it. You see that over and over again in yep. his writings. So because we don't just pull scriptures one at a time out of the Bible to study, it's very important to look at the overall context yep. of this idea. Yep. And you also mentioned that these were not necessarily qualifications, but qualities, you use that word. Mm -hmm. But the truth is, if they did not have these qualities, they would not qualify to have that title or that name of deacon sure. applied to them. And then the last thing I'll point out is we haven't gotten to the rest of the scriptures <laughs> in this particular passage. And I think that kind of helps clarify a little bit too of what, what you're alluding to about 
you know, the women, whether they were called deacons or not called deacons, we all serve, absolutely. But that title, that name, deacon, in order to qualify, you have to have all those qualities. And the very next line kind of clears up that, that idea. Great, thank you. Joy? Well, I've always felt that the qualities are so important because Paul is saying, we want Christ to be reflected in your life, and they are representing the church. If you have a deacon that organizes food baskets and goes to a destitute area. We want them to be servants, but their qualities, somebody may ask them about their faith when they give sure. them a food basket. He wants them to be ready, grounded in the truth mm-hmm. so they can teach. Yeah, and Paul points that out mm-hmm. as well too, right? You gotta hold firm to the truth, right? And understand that, which I, I absolutely, yeah, Larry. In Acts 6, the only qualities that were mentioned by the apostles for these men that uh, took care of the the tables was men of faith. And maybe this is an expansion of what he meant by men of faith. Now, obviously, the marriage part wasn't an issue uh, in Acts 6, but maybe this is an expansion of what it means to be a man of faith. Yeah. uh, With this explanation. Yeah, and the context is different. And which is why I've pointed out a few different times, I don't know the whole context, right? But the, the context is different that Paul's writing specifically to this group on this particular occasion. And, and while, yes, we, you know, we may not understand the whole context, they would have. Because Paul wrote this letter to Timothy in the church. He didn't write it to 2022. And I think if Paul, if Paul had really known, I've said this before, if Paul had really known his letters were going to be read 2,000 years later, he probably would have wrote them a little differently. Um, but he didn't because he's writing to context. And so part of our job as, as Christians today is we, gotta, we have to drop into context, right? Context helps us understand that. And to that point, I think Paul's, whether he's expanding or, or being or clarifying or whatever it is, he knows what's going on. And Paul feels the church needs to understand, hey, leadership needs to understand there's some qualities here that, that have got to be you know, handled or looked at a little more closely. You know, Christ-like qualities. Sorry, Bobby. Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, perhaps an alternative reading here, building from where we left off last week with the thought that diakonos is uh, more of a descriptor and less of a title, is that Paul, Paul starts off talking specifically about church leadership in 1 Timothy 3, uh, what, what we would call shepherds, right? Um, and goes through those qualities and then turns to this word diakonos and perhaps he's saying church leadership you are to be this way and to everyone else who is servant you should have these qualities um and again context matters and 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 that may not be the way but i think that's an alternative way to read this chapter or this passage um and, and at least get us thinking yep. and rethinking that term in 
how we use it. I think it's, it's an incredibly fair point because um, verse 8, in the same way deacons, is lowercase. Now, your Bible should have translated it lowercase because that's diakonos is in lowercase form, meaning it's the general servant form. So I think that's an aspect of the conversation, which is why I'm trying to uphold both thoughts here, at least kind of those, those because I think the, the, the bigger premise here is that the church has got to be diakonos, right? That's the grander purpose, I think, when it comes to thinking about these qualities of these, pe- of these servants, because it, it's a Christ-centered community of servanthood, right? Nathan. Yeah, uh, I'm big on systematic theology, so take the theme of what we're talking about. Um, but you can use words that'll make you look pretty on the outside. And then, I mean, you can paint any picture you want, but truthfully, to know if you're pretty on the inside, it's your actions. I mean, if, if, if you change it to loving, I mean, you can use words that make you look loving, or your actions can prove that you're a loving person. You can change over the servant. And I think here, um, you can use words or qualifications and say, I'm a good servant, but you truly are never a good servant to your actions parallel that, and then that uh, shows them there's a proof that you're a true servant or not. So I think words start, maybe paint the picture, but your actions are, are what reveals where your heart is, so. Yeah, and um, thank you. Uh, I, I, I think to that as well, you know, one of the reasons I, I emphasize qualities, not qualifications, though yes, qualities, you know, event, you know, ultimately lead into qualification is because when it comes to overseers or deacons, they already are doing it. It's not the other way around. Oh, we have a job opening, who wants it? No, nope, it's already in process. Now, what we're doing as a community is we're identifying those who already have these qualities that have shown they are qualified and we're going to take care of. When it comes to deacons, I believe Acts 6 being the, the most relevant model, most scriptural, most the only paradigm that we really have to go off of, it ought to be specific jobs, specific needs or crises that need to be taken care of, right? And so we see those things and we're saying, okay, who can take care of it? It's these kinds of quality of and people, these kinds of qualitative a quality servants that ought to be taking and moving in those areas. That's what we want, right? Oh, we got these widows that need to be taken care of. What kind of quality are we looking, you know, who's going to take care of that? This kind of quality, right? Um, Luke. Yeah, I think even in the Acts 6 context, it's not that they're establishing a role to the point that you just kind of expanded on. It was just a need that was missing. And so they didn't install deacons to do all of the things that were already happening in the church, they were, in, they were saying, hey, servants out there, we need some of you to go take care of this thing. And so he, here are the seven men that are going to come take care of this thing that's not getting done. But they didn't, we don't have a context specifically of them appointing a role over something that was already being taken yep. care of. And so, and then in, I mean, even <clears throat> in verse 13 of First Timothy 3, that... To Bobby's point, maybe, they didn't specifically say those who have served well as deacons gain uh, excellent standing. It's just those who have served well. And so <clears throat> I think that maybe does kind of highlight the, the suggestion or, or idea that maybe it's not a specific office that they have served well as deacons. It's just all who have served well are worthy of this. Yeah. And so it, it's, it's an interesting conversation to, to think through and, and understand. But I think the point is that 
these things need to be done, and those who do them well are are worthy of of that. But yes. Less about the position. Yeah, and that's ultimately what what my hope was. So I, I know kiddos are coming. So Luke, um, last last one, and I'll wrap us up, and then I'll, I'll mention next week again because um, I know there's going to be more conversation. At least in the First Timothy three passage, um, all of our English versions, I think, though, are going to say deacon rather than waiter or servant or minister. Uh, so they are all viewing, and this is kind of true with the history of the church, that what is described here is some sort of official or quasi-official yep. role. Um, if they wanted to say just one of these generic words, which is more common in the rest of the New Testament, um, they could have done that. So that is, yes, a translation decision by our English translators, but also the one that all of our translations say is that Paul is saying something a little bit different here um, in, the, in this part of 1 Timothy 3 uh, that he's not saying anywhere else. I think it's in Philippians 1.1 1, 1 here, and then the rest of the time, as you mentioned, it's Romans some, 12. Is, is where yep. deacon, okay. Um, and the rest of the time, it's the generic word. And so, Yeah, but then the context is why. Yes. Right, because we're talk, we've been talking about elders or bishops, overseers, you know, Right, and the context is in the context of leadership. So there is something established in the church of Ephesus where there are servant leaders, right? So that so that decision is seems fairly easy there, and I'm not disagreeing with that decision, but that's deacon, right? That's kind of that what ultimately what starts to happen, especially in the first century church, really in the first several centuries, is that office evolves, right? That that idea of servant leader, that deacon moves. I, I think you're still got the microphone, so I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, I thought you were about to say something. I was, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, hey, I know, um, I know there's more to be said. And so next week's going to be way less of me talking, a way more conversation, um, because I know there's some things here. Because one, so I, I had two goals this morning. And goal number one was I felt like we needed to have, uh, it, I think, we needed to have kind of a ground understanding of the text itself, right? What Paul's saying, what he's not, and kind of, uh, I think the quality is a big deal. I think, uh, you know, that I know that the word woman or wives of, uh, I think that is obviously, it's okay for, uh, for us to think differently. And I'm not saying one thing or another, because the second thing my goal was is to understand Paul's writing to context, the church in Ephesus is not our church, and vice versa. And so next week's going to be very much about how we best understand Scripture into our context, okay? And so as we have that conversation, I think, I think Acts 6, 1 Timothy 3, they're going to continue to come up, right? They ought to. Because that ought to inform how we have that conversation. So we're going to be very specific to the heritage context and really try to, I think, start looking towards what does this look like and mean for us to have the office of or the position. Or I think it's more, you know, office of is, 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 indicates power, which I don't even like for, for leadership. I think it's responsibility of, right? And I think we can talk about that a little more in detail. And so... Um, 
those are my two goals. And so next week is going to be very much about, okay, what does this look like for us? How do we function with this? And what does this may mean? And you're going to have ideas on that, which I really hope you would contribute to that, uh, to that um, conversation when it comes to this context, if that makes sense. So um, we started up here, and we're working ourselves down here, okay? Uh, I really appreciate a uh, wonderful conversation. Sorry that I talked so much, but I felt like it was important to at least kind of put us on the, on the same general wavelength of thought there. Let me pray. I'll see you this evening or afternoon, and we're going to uh, bounce a whole lot. <laughs> Father God, thank you for uh, your word. Thank you for the conversation that we get to have by opening your holy word. God, thank you for this church, and thank you for the servants that do exist and serve in many different ways here. As Father, as we grow and as we look towards the future, as we celebrate the turning of a page this evening, God, help us to be very mindful and aware and intentional of, of our service, of who we serve and how we serve and, and all the things that each of us can do to wait on the tables that come before us. God, thank you. Thank you for heritage. Thank you for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.